The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your recap episode for this week's WGC Workday. And joining me to break it all down, Mark Immelman is here. Mark, good to see you. How's it, boys? I hadn't been with you guys for a while, so it's good to be back. And look, I was looking everywhere in my closet for a red shirt, couldn't find it, so I figured I'd tribute the Beatles tonight. So, you know, I'm doing my tribute. There you go. Yeah. Mark doing his tribute thing with the Beatles, and Greg Ducharme is here. Greg, what is up? Best I could do was uh, a red zipper, so I got I got that in there. But Mark, you got a little you got red on the the uh, the Arnold Palmer bag back there, and that's a little tribute. Yeah. Tiger's one he's he's done pretty well in that event uh, a couple of times. Yeah, I'm, I'm one week too early with a the bag there, but I figured it's uh, we, we've actually got a selection call at 1 a.m. Eastern tonight for the international team, so I figured I'd uh, do a little repping for the Arnold Palmer Cup international team. There you go. You're going to be up. Uh, you're going to be up late this evening. Uh, also joining us, Kyle Porter is here. KP, how's it going? I'm good. That was fun. Uh, was course fun. was awesome. Great, great. Uh, it wasn't a great finish. That was the first non-great finish we've had in a while. Uh, but the 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 players, like the the people, characters involved, it was. I thought it was fantastic. Tons to talk about. Yes, for the drama that this event lacked, it did not lack impressiveness, if that is a word, because Colin Morikawa has done it again, but we're going to get to him. Let's talk about the concession real quick, because Mark, this is the first time we've seen it on the PGA Tour. Uh, There were many crooked numbers out there. There were many holes that made the best players in the world look a bit foolish. What was your assessment of the course that we saw down in Florida this week? I'm with Kyle. I loved it. Uh it's nice to be back in in Florida, uh, Florida grasses and firm surfaces and the ball rolling out a little bit. And I, I just still to this day feel like forced carries are, are not really up my alley. And I love the fact, I love it when you can put the ball on the ground. I love the way that it lets anyone play. I love the way on a number of holes where you'd see guys trying to go with targets and other guys lay back. And and typically if you go to a PGA Tour event, you'll see guys sort of hitting the ball in the same place. And then you'll see guys hitting the ball in the same place. Well, if you were following the shot tracker this week, guys were adopting all manner of strategies. And so for me, that was fun. And, and it was fun to just, you know, see shots that kind of get on the wrong side of a slope and then trundle away or trundle close. And so... It was lots of fun. I thought it was a fantastic uh, venue, and I'm keen to see if it stays in the rotation. Yeah, let's see if we can find a spot for this on the on the schedule. Um, Greg, I, I echo those sentiments uh, from Mark. I actually found it interesting because, um, you know, so few guys had actually played this. You know, Brooks Kepka told us that he saw the back nine for the first time on Thursday. It, it seemed like there was a bit of evolution as the week went on where you were saying, oh, okay, you saw what he did yesterday. Now he's making a bit of an adjustment. It was kind of cool to see. It was, but at the same time, um, you still saw some really high rounds later in the week. Cam Smith, for instance, on Saturday, mm-hmm. I think he went for 77 after playing 
beautiful golf uh, the first couple of, and in fact all three other rounds so it it is um kind of an interesting element of it too but florida golf is you know to to kind of differentiate it from california golf it's harder in some ways and easier in others the the surfaces the playing conditions in florida that the florida golf swing has at every single course is amazing i mean they are perfect the greens are perfect um the fairways are perfect bunkers same it's perfect conditions which is makes it a little bit easier on the greens Uh, i think it highlights the ball strikers as well but then the difficulty is in the wind and the water and that's the scariest Mm -hmm. thing for a professional golfer where rick we talked about last week uh at genesis how it's not really a double bogey golf course it's a (laughs) bogey you make three bogeys in a row you could make 18 straight bogeys on that golf course quite easily here and and throughout the florida swing it's more boomer bust. There's big numbers yeah. that come out. And this week there were 123 double bogeys, 29 others, 29 other double bogeys are worse from some guys that are playing great golf. So it's uh it's very interesting to watch. Uh, it certainly is. You know, the, the ability to bring in, a water ball, for example, I think I think Cameron Smith on Saturday had five balls that he hit into the water. KP that racks up your score in quite a big way. But I, I mean, the, I was I was kind of struggling with how to describe this, and it just felt like the margins were so small. If you are one foot too far on the green, it rolls all the way down. Now you're down in kind of this you know closely mown area. The green is f- five feet a- a- ahead of you or above you, and it just becomes very very difficult if you're just a little bit off. Yeah, that's true. Somebody shared, I think it might've been, uh, somebody that was there shared a photo of Kepka chipping up this hill and the, the, the undul, I mean, it was, it, it looked like Augusta like undulation. It was very dramatic. And I think that's sort of, we, it, the tour goes to a lot of really super flat places, right? Where you just, you know, somebody gets up three strokes with 12 holes to go. You're like, I mean, where's the, there's no drama. Like this thing's over. They're not going to make, you know, they're just going to par in. And, you know, I, I, it just, it kept the entire thing a little bit dramatic until the very end, which I realized is sort of an ironic thing to say about, you know, Morikawa kind of rolling to victory, but it just, you know, Kevin Kisner shoots 80 on Saturday or whatever. And you're like, Kevin Kisner doesn't shoot 80, but they didn't have to take the greens. You know, so many of these places that, whether you go with a major championship or the tour, they have to take the greens right up to the edge to make it difficult, like to make the the actual tournament hard. They didn't have to do that with concession because of what you're talking about with those, like that small margin for misses. So I don't want to play it. I don't think the four of us should probably be playing it, but I thought it was a ton of fun to watch for, for tour pros. So Kyle, I got a I got a quick question for you. And um, I'd love to hear everybody's thoughts on this, but winning scores 18 under. If this was a, we saw big numbers, but there was still scoring out there. If this was a major championship, do you think we would be leaving it saying that was disappointing or that was too easy if it was a major? No, they just changed the part of 70 and the winning score would be 10 yeah. under. Yeah, I mean, it's, point. I mean, right. that's what the, that's what the USGA does, right? They just make everything yeah. 70 and it, yeah. it's, it's dumb. Like the, the concept of it is silly, but that's probably what would happen. 
At the end of the week, 72 holes later, it is Colin Morikawa, friend of the pod, coming through with his first WGC victory. And Mark, this was coming off of a week at Riviera where he was essentially the worst putter in the field. He lost six strokes on Sunday. He's been tinkering with a new putting grip. And uh, I, I don't know, is there anything this guy can't do two weeks after his second week using a new putting grip? He goes out and wins a WGC event. It's unbelievable. Yeah, well, look, he's got a full arsenal of weapons of that. There's no doubt. If there's been a, a weakness, an Achilles heel, if you would, it's been the putting. And and, and the way he strikes the golf ball, he, if, if he puts decently, is always going to be a factor. But to, to win, and some of the putts he made today, I mean, you talk about, you know, not putting well. And, and I always find it kind of tough to handicap fields when you're on the West Coast because those pioneer greens, like if you're putting badly, they will exacerbate your problem. And if you're putting well, you'll miss a few. Everyone sort of expects that. But Greg referenced how good the conditions are and that uh, champion's Bermuda grass that they have down there in Florida. So if you're rolling the ball the right speed and you're picking the right lines, you're going to fill it up. And we saw him do so. But the thing that was the most impressive to me about the whole week and how he turned the putting around was some of those putts he made today, throughout the week, but especially today, because Sunday is when it all happens. And you're playing with the lead and there's extra pressure and stuff like that. I mean, he showed a bunch of moxie. Uh, he, he showed mm -hmm. big guts to hold some of those uh, putts early, make some saves, convert when he did. Because I heard the his birdie count was off the charts. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that speaks to someone hitting the thing well. Yeah, hitting the thing well. Thank you. And then hitting it in the right places on these crazy greens with all these slopes and valleys and plateaus and stuff. And and and, and you don't shoot 27 under hitting the ball well. You, you shoot 27 under hitting the ball well and making putts. And so... Kudos to him. He went and he made a change. Sometimes that's difficult to stick to the change and trust it. But he did. And man, he made some putts. And it was impressive stuff. That's right. He was not only 10th in the field in strokes gained putting, but first in approach, which is a combination that's going to win you a lot of golf tournaments. Greg, I was tuning into to Morikawa's uh, post-round interview, and I didn't catch the whole thing, but he did talk about a little bit of complacency after winning the PGA Championship. And, and I guess it's only natural when you have a big payday and you ascend, you know, ascend the, the mountaintop for the first time and become a major champion. And he's kind of had to refocus a little bit and, and uh, you know, go through these putting changes and get his game back on track and it was certainly on track this week in florida you know it's uh it's interesting because you you reach that mountaintop and you work so hard to achieve something and when you get there you know what do you do next i was this is a little off off uh the uh, off on a little tangent but i was reading this thing um a, a ray allen letter to himself from 2016 and i recently read it because tiger reminds me of it um, and kind of in the price for greatness kind of a thing. And Ray Allen, the day after winning his second NBA title, the next morning at seven in the morning, went to a dentist appointment. And they, <laughs> everybody was so shocked to see him. And he couldn't sleep because he was restless. Because he's he, he the 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 purpose is the journey to achieving the goal, and it's not achieving the goal. And uh, and that comes after a really long. He was 38 at the time, so I think for Morikawa, learning how to reassess and reevaluate and constantly update your goals is really important. And and I've heard him talk about it. I didn't hear this recent um, post round um, presser, but I've heard him talk about this in the past. Where I should have reset my goals. I should have reevaluated and set my sights on something else. Because you're right. It's you, you reach the peak. The pay is. Coming from college to this is different than <laughs> Dustin Johnson winning. When Dustin Johnson wins a FedEx Cup, that's 
like an it's another 15 million in the bank account that's already loaded with who knows how much but when you're when you're a college kid and you're <laughs> i mean you know what college is like i mean you, you got this is a pretty good entry it's a pretty good entry level job for Colin Morikawa first job out of college right <laughs> right so i understand that i can't imagine what that would possibly be like so i give him a little bit of a pass but then to come in and answer this question he answered the question that that i think remained with him which is putting and we talked about it early in the week rick the the knock was well he this is a very unknown territory you're going with a new grip just your second week with it how is it going to hold up under pressure and mark alluded to it time and time again today he answered the call with six footers and seven footers and nine footers and they all just kept going in and and that's what happens when you win on the pga tour your pressure uh, is put on the area of weakness. And when you can answer the call, then all of a sudden you you come through and, and win. And that's what it takes to win. So it was really, really cool to see. Let's set the stage for what we've seen from Colin Morikawa since he has graduated college here, KP. He is 24 years old. He has a major championship on his resume. He has a WGC on his resume. You so aptly pointed out on Twitter through his first 41 PGA Tour events, he has four victories. JT, Rory, and Spieth combined for four during that stretch. I, I, how do we start to reconcile his larger place in our game at such a young age? Real quick, I think Mark had something. Did you have something, Mark? Yeah, I just wanted to build on that. Thanks, Kyle. Uh, you know, the making those putts and those sorts of shots, it's easy, really. And, and when you're on a difficult driving hole for argument six, the visuals can encroach on you if there's penalty areas and bunkers and stuff like that. But when you're standing over four or five feet, it's that touchy-feely stuff, you know, that sliding downhill left to right stuff to keep the lead by one. It's all of you have played golf. Everyone listening to this has played golf. You know what that's like. And you know, even though you're playing well, that hole starts to look like it's about this big, right? And this mm -hmm. guy, every putt he made, Nothing lipped in. Nothing went with poor speed. They were not limping into the hole. He was hitting some quality putts. And I'll tell you what, to build on what Greg was saying, those little feel things under pressure, when you second week into a grip change, <laughs> that is a manful performance inside of your, between your ears, I can promise you. So I think that... <laughs> I think that one of the things that impressed me on Sunday was just how smart he was about what he was doing. Obviously, concession was kind of ejecting players, and it would be easy when Scheffler and Hovland are like 11 under combined or whatever for Morikawa to freak out a little bit and start pressing. But he knows, like, he, I, it seemed like he just played a very wise, mature round of golf that when you combine with the fact that you're maybe the best iron player on the planet, uh, it turns into a WGC win. And I think, I think that's the part that I'm intrigued by because that's what it takes to win. I mean, we could do two hours on how, and I tweeted this out too. him and Finau since he, since the day he turned pro him and Finau are exact same in terms of strokes game. Like they're the, they shoot the exact same scores. It's, it's, they're the same player essentially in terms of what they're doing on the course. But Winning is a skill, right? Like it just, it just is like, it, it, and I think that Morikawa has it in a way that other guys maybe don't. And yeah, maybe he's gotten lucky in some of these wins that he's had. He should, probably shouldn't have won the work. You know, JT should have won at, at Muirfield Village. 
Go ahead. But he but he probably also should have won Colonial or, or at least been in it yeah. when he punted it away late. So you win yeah, one, you lose right. one, maybe. That's <laughs> right. So I just I think that he he I don't know. I think we go too far down the path. Oh, he's got it or whatever. But also, I think he does have this skill of winning that four times in 39 events is a pro. I mean, that's that's a Rory number. That's a Rom number. That's like an elite modern number. That's not, I mean, Tiger's like 23% or whatever. But to, to do it 10, 10 or 11%, that's that's pretty special. Yeah, and let's put to that observation of Carl's the strength of the field that he wins in. You know, mm-hmm. sure, he, he his first win was out there in, at the Barracuda, but then he wins Workday, and the field out there was strong because that was in a, a stage of that COVID return when most folks were playing and most folks were coming to get a look at Muirfield twice before the Memorial. And then, of course, the PGA Championship, it's a loaded field, that it always is. And this was as well, what was it, like 47 of the top 50 players in the world, I think was the number I saw. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like this boy capitulates, all right? He shows up, uh, he's a big game hunter. To me, it's the ultimate, it's the ultimate tribute to, um, to what Tiger Woods has meant to the game. And the reason for that, Colin Morikawa at the age of eight years old was working with a mental coach, Rick Sessing. <laughs> he started at the age of eight. This is trained. And I think that's where Kyle, that skill of winning comes from, right? You're, you're trained. That's the mental aspect. The wisdom that you, sp- that you speak of is beyond the physical skills. It's beyond the technicalities of the golf swing. It's beyond the claw putting grip. It's the belief in all of those things. And that comes from the training. This is years of training on, on an area of the game that none of us really uh, think about on a day-to-day basis. I mean, uh, at least with our own games, it's, it, it doesn't get that far. This is next level, and it has been for a long time. And uh, that's why I believe he's able to close the deal. That's why he believes in himself against the strong fields, the strongest fields on the strongest courses, and, and um, ends up holding his fourth trophy. I tell you what, you bring up a good point there, and I've had the good, the, the good fortune of speaking to them both, both Rick and uh, Colin, and Rick's a long-time club professional from Southern Cal, well-respected, and he's guided Colin along, and even when Colin was at Cal, he'd still go to Rick for lessons. And the one thing that Rick told me and Colin vouched for this was Rick would always offer him a principle. He wouldn't tell him what to do. He'd be like, here's what you have to work on. Here's why you have to work on. Now, off you go. And then Colin would go and spend a period of what they called self-discovery. And to me, that's awesome because you sort of take ownership, if you will, because you figure out the pitfalls. You figure out what can I do? What can't I do? And you sort of massage this and you own it. And I feel like that is part of the reason why he's got such an old head on young shoulders. He is he's certainly sought out counsel, but he hasn't been told what to do. And so he's this wise guy who's been really, you know, well shepherded, I feel like. And, and then, of course, he's got the tools to, to match what's going on between his ears. Rick, I got one for you and me. You ready? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Next, Greg's going to make fun of me for this because I love the 10-year time frame. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> next yes. 10 years, Mark's going to make fun of me for this too. Next 10 years, JT or Morikawa? <laughs> oh, God. I, I don't know if it's just recency, right? Because I just watched what Morikawa did and I know how dangerous he is just as a zero, a zero putter. Um, man. Probably Morikawa, right? Mm. JT, so can JT be in his prime for the next wins? 10 years? How many, <laughs> I, how I many wins is that for Morikawa? He's got to win like 25 times. Really 
I think I think I would still go JT because I think JT is a little bit more of a like psycho in terms of like just wanting to be great. I I, I, I mean that not derogatorily. I mean that in a good way. Like he just he has such a desire to be, and and I think I think Morikawa does too. But I think JT is more obsessive about it in some ways, which. I don't know. Maybe not. That's just my perception. So I think I would still go JT, but I, I think I think the fact that the question is in play, like like that's there's not a wrong answer to that. I think is really interesting. How old and is it's JT also the man? iron play too. JT's twenty seven, eight, six. So that makes wow, him thirty eight, and Marikawa was yeah. going to be thirty. You know what? Uh, father time is unbeaten. I know that for a fact. Okay, I'm fifty and feeling it. And, and so when you when when you're pitching me a something like that. They're both fantastic players. JT's assembled a tremendous resume, but I'm going to go for the younger person and I will always maintain injury-free, injury-free. And remember JT's nursing a wrist. And if that wrist has didn't never really completely healed properly in a few years time, you're going to start to feel that a little bit. And so things have to start changing. So um, I, JT, I've got massive respect for, but I'd lean to Marikawa just because of his age and the fact that his body is so in such good shape right now. It's a good one. It's a good. It's a good discussion. I love it. Morikawa's already stolen one from him. Uh, one and zero in playoffs. How <laughs> <laughs> um, about putting those two together at a at a Ryder Cup? Just flush city. I mean, just don't miss an iron. That would be sick. Against Hovland. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Tom and Rory. Oh, there you right. go. Colin Morikawa is going to wake up tomorrow as the number four player in the world. There will be lots more discussion about Colin Morikawa. Obviously, I want to talk about uh, some guys who came up just a bit short. But first, I want to tell you about Paramount Plus. And you've probably seen the journey to Mount Paramount featuring beefy Bryson himself. And that's because Paramount <laughs> Plus is live sports, breaking news, and a mountain of entertainment. Don't do this in the middle of a read, KP. I got to get through this. You can go straight <laughs> You can go straight from game day to movie night with Paramount Plus. Stream iconic movies like The Godfather, Indiana Jones, and Mission Impossible, and find new episodes of critically acclaimed original series like Star Trek Picard, The Good Fight, and The Stance. And get this, if it's where you can dive into live sports from us, CBS Sports, including the NFL, March Madness, the Masters and Champions League Soccer. There are streaming hit shows from CBS, Nickelodeon, MTV, BET, Smithsonian, and Comedy Central. It's live sports, it's breaking news, and a mountain of entertainment. It's Paramount Plus streaming March 4th. We did it. Well done. Okay, we made it. Thank you. Uh, a couple of runners up, Victor Hovland, Brooks Kepka, Billy Horschel. Mark, let's start with Victor Hovland, who I, I know we don't get to play the, the if game, but if he doesn't make a quad on Friday on his final hole of the day and makes a bogey instead, we've got a playoff between Colin Morikawa and Victor Hovland. He was incredibly impressive. He bounced back from, from the, the disaster hole and still gave Morikawa a run at this. Yeah. Golf is a game of recovery to me. And, um, if you had to investigate the entire tournament, he was over par early. Uh, and he was a couple over and, and sort of just languishing down the bottom half of the field and then finished with three birdies to finish his first round. And that sort of got the train started, if you will. And then in the second round was going bananas and I was giving golf lessons and he was my pick this week. So I had a quick look and I was like, oh, yeah, we are six under through 10. <laughs> and then the next time I turned it on and I saw he had shot 68. So I was like, really? And I saw the quad on the last. Now, that sort of stuff happens, but because to me, a golf shot is, 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 there's two parts to it. There's the planning and there's the execution. 
And I feel like most of the planning on all of those shots green side was not that smart. And then the execution was just, it, it sort of followed that. But the fact that he recovered from that speaks volumes to what he's got. Uh, I, I spent some time in Torrey Pines a few weeks ago, well, late Wednesday afternoon practice round. He was out there playing just he and his caddy Shea. And it was cold and it was blustery. And this boy was just flushing. And the ball was coming out the middle of the bat every single time. And it was on the right trajectory. It was moving in both directions. And I'd watched him play, but I saw something different then. And so I signed me up for Victor Hovland whenever conditions are going to be hard because this guy has got it. And he mm -hmm. proved to us now that not only does he have the physical tools, but he can bounce back from adversity. And when you're playing in big-time events against big-time fields, adversity is a given. So, I, I mean... I was so impressed with what he did, whether he finished second, 15th, winning, whatever. It was a heck of a, a heck of a performance for, by, by a top quality young player. It certainly was. And Greg, you know, you look at what Hovland is doing. You look at what Morikawa is doing. This is a really lazy argument to make because, you know, we've made this point from the start. It's, it's Morikawa, it's Wolf, it's the young generation. These guys are so good. Like, like I don't, it's hard to imagine 18 months ago that these guys were going to be this successful. And here we are talking about how successful they are on the PGA tour. Well, with these two in particular, they have, um, the, the talent is unquestioned, but they had, when they first came out areas of weakness in their game, I would say, um, limited, but they had an area like Morikawa, you would question the putter more than anything else. And he has on multiple occasions answered the bell on that, especially today. Hovland, the question, the area of concern is short game. We knew he could hit the ball with the best of them. Mark mentioned how he's flushing it. I mean, he's second off the tee, second tee to green, third approaching the green for the week. So he's on fire tee to green. And that's why you see such consistent performance out of him. His recent form is ridiculous. Um, but the thing that I really like about Hovland, and I want to get your thoughts on this, Rick, he was, you'll see, he was 52nd strokes gain around the green this week. But in three of the four rounds, in three of the four rounds, he was positive. On, on <laughs> Sunday, he was sixth. And in the second round, he was last in the field. He lost 4.3 strokes. And that comes, that if I'm not mistaken, that comes off of the, the one hole, right? It, yeah, he lost like four and a half strokes on that one hole alone. That 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 quad that he took. So, and I get it. It's a part of it. It it's a quad. It it loses him clearly. It loses him a lot of physical strokes. So it means something. But the thing that I'm so impressed with is the improvement from Morikawa and from Hovland. Wolf, I think, still has some inconsistencies. Maybe there's an injury going on there. I don't know. So I'll leave him aside for now. Um, but but with Morikawa and Hovland, the the gradual improvement and the um, the desire to improve and attacking the weaknesses is the kind of thing that Tiger Woods would do. I mean, Tiger Woods was weak in the bunker. He'd go from 97th in the bunker to leading the tour the next year because there's that determination, that desire for greatness. And I see such improvement with Hovland in the short game. I saw him hit a shot earlier in the week. I think it was yesterday. He had a tight lie pitching across a bunker um, all the way across the green with water behind the flag. And he pitches this thing, he nips it perfectly, it lands about halfway onto the green, jumps forward, skids, and then, uh, and then releases right down to the hole. It was, it was perfect. And it was the kind of thing, I'm wondering, are, 
he could chili dip this. You could blade it into the water. That's what you think when you see him. You're nervous over it, and it was perfect. And that I think you're seeing it in the stats. I think you're seeing it on the course. And um, when he answers that question, which he's doing right now, he's really hard to beat. That's a good call. Um, you know, because he used to have that short game technique similar to his golf swing, where he'd go back shut and then have to rock the face open, and as the body moved back. The low point of his arc was just all over the show and he'd drop kick balls. He'd hit them fat. He'd hit them thin. And I was struck just like you were too, because I started to watch him. He hooked up with Pat Goss maybe last year, a couple of times. And Pat Goss was Luke, yeah, Luke Donald's short game coach. And then he's been seeing Jeff Smith, who's also a good young instructor. And I've started to watch that action sort of tighten up a little bit. And, um, this week off that tight Bermuda grass, you know what that's like, Greg. And I saw Morikawa twice go to fairway medals from off the green because the lie was just down a little bit. Every time I saw Hovland, he had that lofted wedge in his hand and there was no doubt whatsoever. And for a guy who's self-professed his short game was bad, to be able to stand there <laughs> under pressure and pull these things off, man, <laughs> I, I, my, my eyes were out in stalks as, as I was just how impressed that he... He had the, the, the gumption to back himself in some of those shots. Where were your eyes? Stocks. <laughs> like this. Like also, you know, like uh, I was, also I what's the, what is chili dipping? Chili dipping. Correct. That's when you hit the ground before the ball. It's chili dip. You didn't know that? Yeah, I've never like, heard. Uh, I'm like laying the sod over it. Like uh, yeah, that's what. Like, I, yeah, very. Yeah. Okay. Very I've similar. never heard chili dipping. Okay. Very common. <laughs> but but, very but common. explain explain to me laying the sod over the thing because I've never seen the sod lay over the back of the golf ball in a chip shot ever. <laughs> well, you've I never mean... seen me play, so that's. <laughs> <laughs> I've got uh, a video. A... For, I've got some videos for you. <laughs> uh, KP, I'm looking at the weekend here. Uh, Victor Hovland over the course of the weekend gained 12 strokes from tee to green, nearly six full strokes better <laughs> that's, than that's the insane. next closest guy, Scotty Scheffler. I can't in recent memory, imagine kind of like a two round stretch like that, uh, where one guy has been so much better in, in a stat, um, as nearly complete as Tita green is. I mean, Victor Hovland is special. I think he's got, I, I think Mark and Greg put it beautifully. He's got the mental side. He's got the physical side. It's, it's phenomenal. Yeah, he's awesome. I just looked it up when Greg was talking about it because I wanted to see where he was at over the last year because this is the year anniversary of him saying I suck at chipping. <laughs> and he's a zero putter and a zero and zero around the green. So for him, that's I mean, I, I, I didn't look before that. I presume that's improvement because it was really bad uh, leading up to that. Uh, but I, look, I, you know, I kind of want to talk about Scheffler a little bit, too. They were playing together and. I think Scheffler gets a little lost, one, because he hasn't won yet. Two, he's a little bit older than some of those guys. But he's been awesome. Like since, I don't know, I, I can't remember what the time period is, maybe the last six months, eight months, whatever it is. But he's been really, really good for that stretch. And we, ju we just never talk about him. We always talk about Havam or Kawa Wolf, mostly, again, because they've won and he has not. But he is super intriguing to me. And I just, I thought that him and Hovland would be a cool, I don't know if Scheffler ended up making the Ryder Cup team, but that'd be a cool singles match if they ended up making it. It certainly would be. Um, there's so many guys we need to talk about. We'll go We'll go quick here uh, because we're, we're trending towards Augusta Mark and Brooks Kepka looks like he's rounding into form. And it mm. looks like he's healthy despite kind of picking at the shoulder and the back over the course of Saturday. But uh, here he is again, another deep field, another, you know, 
studs event and Brooks Kepka asserts himself on the top of the leaderboard. And here we are just, uh, I don't know, a handful of weeks away from, from Augusta. You know, when I saw that warm up and Ricky Elliott was uh, sort of poking at his uh, trap muscle, it looked like over there. I was wondering, I'm like, is Brooks just trying to kind of lead us media folks down a path with, with us? And they're kind of just faking it a little bit. Um, but the thing really quickly, my thought on Brooks, everything's becoming simple again. You know, when yeah. he had the injury, there was, uh, you know, Brooks is a simple guy. Fine, tee up ball, hit ball hard, fine ball, hit ball hard again, beat comp competitions, like almost Neanderthal in a way. And then with the in the injury and stuff, there was a whole lot of thought, golf swing adjustments, blah, 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 and they're playing around all these sorts of injuries and stuff. And so I'm sure for Brooks, who likes to keep the thing pretty singular, there was just too much going on. But now I heard a comment, he goes, yeah, I didn't see the back nine. Ricky just tells me what the yardage is. I hit it over there and I go. And to me, that's gloriously sort of adolescent. Uh, and it's a fantastic way to play the game, especially at that level when in the interest of getting better, sometimes I think everyone can get wrapped up in the minutia of the thing. So Brooks keeping stuff simple, Brooks healthy. That's, that's a dangerous, that's a dangerous proposition for everyone playing. And with a major just around the corner, <laughs> he's starting to look pretty good. I think if the, I think if the U S open was tomorrow, which by the way, they should have a U S open at concession. They probably can't infrastructure wise. That'd be sick if they did. Uh, I think I would pick Kapka. But hold on a second, you'd given DeChambo five US Opens the last time we spoke after the US Open, I think it was, hadn't you? No, no, no. Desch Bryson's going to win the Masters by five. I'm talking about the oh, US yeah. Open. <laughs> All right. The inflection point. I forgot about that. Uh, it was an inflection point. We've we've got to keep track of all of uh, Kyle's you know ten year ten year predictions that we have here. We're doing a pretty good job, I think. Um, yeah. The the over yeah the over the <laughs> overarching theme uh, not only on the PGA Tour, Greg, but uh, we saw it on the Champions Tour, we saw it in Puerto Rico, we saw it uh, kind of all over. Was was the, the the Tiger tribute that we got on Sunday? A lot of players opted to don the black and red or do some other tribute. The Bridgestone guys had had Tiger stamped on the ball. We saw a couple of TWs uh, written on shoes or hats or whatever it was uh this was obviously a, a a an outpouring of support for the big cat it's one of those things this is the uniform the sunday uniform that is basically um retired in the game it's it's like the like uh it, hockey retired jersey number 99 for the whole sport right nobody can wear 99 because wayne gretzky wore it um and and it, most players feel that way with their dress on Sunday. You can't wear red, a uh, yeah. red shirt and black pants because that's Patrick what Reed Tiger did. wears. Pat, <laughs> I said both I did it with Tiger. <laughs> I, have, I, have, I have two comments about this. <laughs> right, so most players, you don't do it. It's like so. It, it was uh, seeing guys wear. It, it was it was really cool to see. Again, it's no surprise. You've heard Phil Mickelson talk about how much Tiger meant to him and his career, and every single one of these other players coming up feels the same way. For many of them, including myself, Tiger brings them into the game. I play the game. Uh, I'm here right now. I'm interested in the game because of Tiger. He made it cool. It was a it was a boring sport for me when I was a, a young, a really young teenager. And Tiger made it cool. And and there are so many players on the PGA Tour now that feel the same way. And even the guys that were in the game like Phil before Tiger, um, he did so much for their careers. The effect that that guy has had on this industry is it's hard to even think about. You think about every single nook and cranny of the golf world, Tiger Woods is touched. So it was really cool to see. 
I saw a, I wish I knew who tweeted it out, but I saw a meme of, well, it was a, it was a picture of Patrick Reed and it said, um, oh, wow, all these guys are dressing up like me. That's great. <laughs> or like, what a great tribute or something like that. I, saw, I, thought, I saw that also. That which I thought was funny. Uh, but but KP, I do think that's interesting because Greg's kind of, I mean, Greg's definitely right about this. It's almost like a retired outfit. Like I was shocked to hear how many guys said, I think Rory said it. I think uh, Tony Finau said it. Like I've never, worn red and black on a golf course before which is like what really there's there's only so many color combinations but it's almost like this 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 thing you can't you can't do true it is true that's how you retired it it also looks terrible can we just say that like <laughs> you obviously like know it, the it, georgia friend i was gonna like, say the same thing mark <laughs> like tiger tiger looks it looks it looks cool on it looks awesome on tiger but then you roll you know, JT or Patty Reed or Rory or something. It just, it's not, it's not cool. Like, it, I mean, well, it was the cool. Pants are, they, the pants was, aren't baggy enough. <laughs> oh yeah. You need the Michael Jordan size pants, but it, I mean, it was fine that they did it. I just, uh, it doesn't, it's not like a, I'm not like, man, I want to wear red and black on the golf course now because it looks so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a big, it's a, it's a big ask. And um, Mark, I'll ask you to kind of put a bow on this because uh, Morikawa actually kind of uh, not kind of, he referenced Tiger in his uh, post round interview. And he his his theme was essentially that we don't say thank you enough. Mm -hmm. And he had recently lost his grandfather and he was kind of taking that same message and, and uh, pointing it in Tiger's direction as a, as a word of thanks. Yeah, um, I, I, I'll pass it on to Kyle. Um, I, I just think, you know, those post-round interviews, I've been a part of some of them, you know, with a microphone in my hand asking the questions. And you can see this poor individual is like overcome by the victory. Now they've got to gather their thoughts and say something halfway savvy and doesn't sound like, well, thanks to my mom and my dad and stuff. And so you ask the, you sort of pitch them the softballs and then you just let them go. And the fact that once Steve Sands brought it back up, because they'd obviously talked before the interview, that was cool. But the fact that he summoned up the courage enough to say that, to admit on international television that he'd lost his granddad and you could see he was now worked up because of the victory. And then of course the emotion of all of this, I, I just thought it, I mean, this is another, another the reason why I'm such a big fan of Colin Marikawa. I mean, that was, that was a masterclass by a fine young man. Yeah. I thought it was, I thought it was awesome. And, you know, I think that he was right. Like, and listen, like, all of us, well, Mark would still be doing his thing, but the rest of us might not have jobs in golf if not for Tiger. One, because he expanded the industry, right? Greg said this earlier, like there's so much more money in golf now, be literally because of Tiger Woods. Uh, and two, because so many more people that listen to podcasts or read stuff online or, or on Twitter are interested in golf because of Tiger. There's not a, there's not a tennis writer for CBSSports.com. Right. Like there's not a like all these other sports where there wasn't a tiger um, have interest now. And I, I think that there's like this low grade gratitude among everybody who does all this stuff for what tiger did for the sport. Yeah. To that, uh, I've got an anecdote and then just a personal take on that. Um, it occurred to me or it was pointed out to me by uh, one of our researchers they said that Matthew Wolf with a WD this week overtook Jack Nicholas on the all-time money list. Now that is because of Tiger Woods and the money that mm -hmm. has come into our sport. 
And for me, I'm a South African kid who got lucky to get over here to college. I was being a college coach, golf instructor, working hard, really. And then because of golf and because of Tiger and what he did, I mean, the proliferation of the broadcast of the sport is off the charts. And now it's, it's, it's because of Tiger that I get to do what I do, as you guys vouch for as well. But I can just say this. I, I've, I've been at events where there's been all the top 10 players in the world. I've been at events where it's like a who's who, but no Tiger Woods. And it's cool. But you go to an event where Tiger Woods is there, even though he's not in contention, it's different. Uh, it, it is a different atmosphere. And, and, and it speaks to the reach the guy has. And then I'll tell you the personal story is my youngest daughter, Sophia. A couple of years ago, I'm calling the, the final group there for live at the Tour Championship up the road in Atlanta. So my wife brings out my kids. And so they're on the first hole down the right-hand side, that uphill par four. And I sort of look at the yardages and I'm like, it's going to land somewhere around here. So they went and stood on the ropes right there. Tiger lands one in the area. My little daughter's standing there and she's holding the rope. I still got, still got a picture above her head. That's how short she was, right? So she's holding on the rope and she was enthralled by this guy. And to this day, and she saw him one time out there, it still asks about Tiger. How's Tiger? Where's Tiger? Have you talked to Tiger? It's, it's nonstop. And she saw him for like 15 minutes maximum. It's got that effect. Tiger's got that effect. Um, you're absolutely right, Mark. Jack Nicholas ranks 309th on the all-time money list. Matthew Wolf, 310. He will surpass him when this <laughs> gets updated. Oh, sorry. That's sick. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty it's crazy stuff. Uh, and then as we uh, as we go to break here, producer Jacob has queued up uh, the Tony Finau look, and I want to get some grades. I want to get some grades on this. So he's got the red mock turtleneck here, Greg. He's got the black pants on. He's got the black backwards cap. Uh, I kind of agree with Kyle. This doesn't this doesn't look as good. I mean, Tony Finau. It looks good on Tony Finau, but obviously not as good as yeah. Don't, do somebody beside Finau looks good in everything. Do do somebody that's not Finau. Do we have anything? Well, I got to see to to really grade them. You got to get a full. You got to see what's going on below the knees, right? It's got to be a full <laughs> head to toe. I why think that's really why, important. Why does Finau wear like bowling shoes to play in? He have you seen that? His crazy, his yeah. shoes are so weird. They're like skateboarding shoes or something. Well, if you are those, when he who's hits, he's, he's so flat footed. They're Nikes, yeah, and they've got yeah. they've got ridges on the bottom of them. And mm-hmm. when he hits, he's so flat footed, even at that high speed. It's almost, almost like he doesn't need spikes, but he just does this. He's just comfortable that way. B- Billy Horschel has the worst shoes on tour. Those like old school, like I can't, I can't, lie, I can't watch the guy, and he sneaks up on every putt, right? Just like sneaks up on it with those little shoes. <laughs> I can't watch it anymore. <laughs> I don't, I, I, I don't mind his shoes. JT wears them sometimes. I think they're all right. I, I think if you said that in a like it, it to Billy Horschel, I think he'd be he he probably thinks that he has the best shoes on. on <laughs> the classics are <laughs> seriously. I, I would bet you he thinks they're the best. The classic I, is a it, it's a um, a look a lot of people like, and I guess there's some that don't like it. Too. Greg's paid by Titleist. Can you hear this? Put your put signing the bills over there. <laughs> I'm not wearing the class. I, I'm not wearing the uh, the icon blacks, but I do love my I love my foot choice. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I love it. All right, here's what we're gonna do. We're going to take a quick break. We are going to talk about API. We've got to do our odds and ends. And we also had another golf tournament uh, on in Puerto Rico this week. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Passion, drive, and patience. 
What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. And we're back. We are just a few days away from kicking off the Arnold Palmer Invitational. This is an event that we referenced earlier. Tiger Woods has won eight different times. Mark, we're obviously, uh, this, this is kind of weird with the schedule this year because some guys are opting to take the rest week next week. So we're not getting Dustin Johnson. We're not, not getting John Rahm. This, this, this Florida swing is packed and guys are having to choose a spot to take a break. Yeah, it is kind of sad because Bay Hill's a tremendous golf course. Obviously, Arnold Palmer is the king. Uh, I don't care what you say. And and it's been one of those events that has been around for the longest time. And as you point out, pointed out earlier, there's extra points, there's extra money, there's um, an extra year's exemption, I believe it is, too, if you, w- if you win. And so it's a special place. It's always been a special event uh, for me. A family lived down there in Orlando, and I've loved to go in the past. I won't be there this year, but... It, it's sad that folks would sort of skip this event, but the truth is we started to see the same thing at the Byron Nelson a few years ago in Dallas. And, and that event at Las Colinas was always incredible. And then the Byron passed away, and then you started to see the players sort, sort of disappear because it was a who's who. And now they really struggled to get together a decent field there in Carl's neck of the woods. So I hope, it's my hope and prayer that the API stands firm you know, in this Florida swing and, and, and it attracts a good field because it's deserving of it. I think what's interesting about that is the WGCs have had this effect where because there's so much money and so many free points, free, uh, <laughs> quote unquote, uh, everybody, because everybody goes to them, then you, you start to lose guys from a Riviera is a terrible example because everybody was there, but from a Byron Nelson, from an Arnold Palmer. And so it almost has this like, unintended consequence of the tour trying to you know wanting all the great players to play in these big events well you're just creating even bigger events that have more money and it takes away from the kind of the classics that have been there for a long time which i think kind of stinks like i I wish the arnold palmer was a bigger deal than uh, the wgc workday concession uh, Blue Monster Doral Mexico event, whatever we're calling that. <laughs> I, you got I it. Do. That was it. That's yeah, okay. I, I I wish that Bay Hill was 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 considered like like had more great players than than that event did. But the reality is just that it's not going to. 
I do uh, think I do think it um it helps that they elevated the status. You get a three year exemption instead of a two. There's only three events aside from the players with Jack's event, Arnie's event, and Tiger's event. They made those three elevated, which I think helps. But this schedule, to Kyle's point, is loaded. There's there's not a week to take off from here yeah. until master. So the the weeks that you take off are the easy ones like Honda. You get you take that off, um, and uh, maybe Pebble Beach. You take that off because you have to figure out your schedule. And, and so some players are left with really tough choices and it'll come down to eventually, well, what, where does Bay Hill sit on your personal list? Do you like Bay Hill? Do you play well there? Then you'll go. And if, if yeah. not, then you'll take it off. Uh, I've got the storyline of the week. This is what everybody's going to be talking about. Kyle, I need a relatively quick answer on this. Does Bryson DeChambeau try to drive number six? <laughs> going to be the storyline uh, it it is i think that he will not i don't think he will either um there was another pga tour event this week it was in puerto rico and it was a fellow south african mark yeah it was there you go brandon mark. grace look at that Brandon Grace coming home with his second PGA Tour victory. He he adds on nine additional European Tour victories onto his resume. Uh, the closing stretch for him was unbelievable. He he was short-sided in a bunker on 17. He dunked it for Eagle. He makes birdie on 18. And when the dust clears, it's Brandon Grace hoisting the trophy. I'm so happy for him. Um, this guy has struggled. He, he's, his granddad passed away here recently also. And last summer, uh, during the COVID lockdown, was telling me when we got back to Colonial that in the interest of staying healthy, he had been on a, a, a vitamin C regimen. But when the prescription arrived, he misread the prescription, so took too much of the stuff and was battling with horrid kidney stones and ended up in the hospital. So, I mean, he's had all sorts going on. And then add, you know, insult to injury, uh, he looked horrid on the greens with a putter. I mean, there was one stage, I th he, he looked like he nearly missed a putt, but missed the ball from about five feet, and the ball didn't even touch the hole. And he hooked up with Brad back to, no, I'm serious. I mean, it, it was ghastly. The stroke was way offline, hit the, way the off the toe. Yeah, it way off the toe, and I was like, "Oh goodness, I don't care who you are. You cannot cannot out hit a bad putter. It just doesn't happen. I mean, you, you if you're not holding four, five, six, seven footers, hitting doesn't matter." And um, and he hooked up with Brad Faxon, sort of found his way back, stuck to it, bounced around between caddies, and to win, you could see when he knocked in that putt on the last hole with a fist pump and the relief. You know, because this this is a guy who's been, you know, in the upper reaches of the world rankings. It means a lot. And when the thing starts going in the right direction, it's horrible. And to see him turn that around, that's I'm really happy for him. What does everybody think Brandon Grace's highest ranking OWGR is? <laughs> or, or best, best ranking ever? I just 13? saw it. So. I haven't he's looked, but I think 20. it's 12. Yeah, he's inside the top Those 20. I know that. They're both very close. Mark, do you want to take a guess? Uh, 15. 10 not enough credit oh. from you three uh real quick i think i think finau should have gone to puerto rico to try to out out curse the curse <laughs> exercise the curse yeah just like i think it, it would be like it's like double jeopardy like you can't get charged for the same like just go to puerto rico <laughs> win that and then the whole thing's over it would have been awesome what the the, the world would have collapsed on itself if that happened <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't know what Hasn't to there do been a multiple winner though didn't one guy yeah it's uh, hovlin it's michael hovlin. No, no, Michael no, it, Michael Bradley uh, won, yeah, yeah, won yeah. Puerto Rico twice. So yeah. you can't win another event after except Hovland, <laughs> who 
allegedly yeah. broke the curse. Well, allegedly. it does it count if, if it's like counts. I don't think curses get broken in Mexico. I think it's like <laughs> still hasn't I, I happened in the U.S. Yeah. <laughs> You know, you guys, when I'm not on the show and I'm driving in a car, I actually listen to you guys to keep me awake because I, this is thoroughly entertaining stuff. I've got to tell you the curse. I, I, I giggle is, every is, time I hear this curse thing. This is what yeah. me and Rick just keeps us up at night. So yeah. that's, we need, the we need therapy counseling. We're usually pretty far off the rails when, when you are here, Mark, when you're, when you're not here, it's even worse. Um, one and done update. Start at the bottom. The coach who victory lapped Cameron Smith on both Thursday and Friday ended up getting $189,000 for him thanks to a T11, which moves coach ever so slightly below $2 million. He's at 1.9. Producer Jacob rode Terrell Hatton to $100,000. It moves his season-long total to 2.4. I also had Terrell Hatton, which moves my total to $3.5 million. Kyle Porter has surpassed me Thanks to a Scotty Scheffler pick, which Kyle, I've, I've actually heard from the <laughs> rules official. Um, you use Scotty Scheffler for the Sanderson Farms. No, what? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> no. So, yes. <laughs> so he got you twenty eight thousand dollars at the fourth event of the season, the Sanderson Farms, uh, and. I was pretty sure you did not know that until the moment I just told you, obviously. Yeah, yeah we talked about it beforehand, and the reaction <laughs> outlived what we expected. <laughs> I even looked. I double-checked, and I just – I think I read it as Shoffley, probably, <laughs> who I picked like <laughs> yeah, eight yeah, times. You, so. you used him a couple of times. So what I think we've done and, – and Producer Jacob is, is uh, much more lenient than I think the rest of us would be. So what I think we do is – we give you the we give you this. We give you the four hundred and thirty thousand dollars. You move into third place, but you are back in the penalty box for next week, and you are going to have to burn a golfer for the Arnold Palmer and not earn, get any dollars for it. I'll probably take Matt Every for the Arnold Palmer. <laughs> wow, probably, probably play probably, well. Probably win it for the third time. Great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about course horses, Matt Every, two-time winner of the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Mm -hmm. Um, so a little bittersweet KP, but you moved to third. Congratulations. You get the 400 something thousand. I, I can't believe I did that. I just, I've done it like three times already. I can't read. I can write, but I can't read apparently. <laughs> the, the last time you had to take a penalty box, you took Stuart Sink, who was leading after three holes. And I was so excited about it. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> uh, Greg, you entered the week. Let me just make sure I have this right. Yes, I do. You entered the week uh, fresh off your new first position in the one and done, but you are no yep. longer there. Uh, you yep. also had $100,000 from Terrell Hatton. I believe you mentioned before we went hot. Kind of how disappointing that was. We thought he was going to play better. Yeah, I thought it, I thought he was like a sure thing. I, I'm, I rarely get extremely excited about a player. I felt like this was nearly no risk. A home run lock it in it he's going to do great i didn't know if he was going to win but i thought top 10 for sure and uh it didn't happen so i mean at least look tie 22nd could be worse but he's going to have a lot uh better finishes this year so i feel like i lost a little bit of value with that i think he might he might win next week back to back yeah, he could he could defend his crown so that moves you marked or excuse me you greg to 4.8 million and mark 
one week off the top, you just couldn't wait to get back. You took Victor Hovland. He got you $783,000, moving your season-long total to $5.1 million, $300,000 clear of Greg in second. Yeah, I was, I'd been planning on using him here um, because I'd heard some advance insight that the place was a second-shot golf course with the greens make up on that but then or folks also said to me look if you miss greens around you you're gonna have to be crafty and so if i had any any reservations it was that but he, he struck the ball beautifully the short game was good um so it all worked out pretty well and to tyrell hatton uh, I, I said before we went hot i have a sense for him in two weeks time in uh jacksonville in ponte Vedra. i really do the, that golf course sets up great for him i will give you advance warning You've already used him this him. year. So I used him in Houston. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. Just, just making sure. I tried, nice to do, you, tried to do my best. Yeah. Um, okay. That leaves us with just our betting update. Big winner of the week. Oh, look at this. Hold on. Let me pull up the card. Big winner of the week. Do we know who it is? Any hunches? Yeah, he yeah, does. I, I know who it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's Kyle. So Kyle had uh, a big win, 65% ROI, thanks to that man, Victor Hovland, who he not only had over Terrell Hatton as his best bet, but he also had as a top 10 at 2-1. to one. He also backed it up with a top 20 on Scotty Scheffler. You also won with Kepka over Webb. Wow, the only things you lost were Tony Finau to win, which, come on. And Finau top five. So great week. Yeah, it was good. I was just slamming. It. I mean, if if I hadn't used Hovland last week, I would I would have picked him in. Well, he didn't stop me with Scheffler, but I would have picked him in one and done for for this week because I just I, I think that with some of these guys, Hovland's one, Scheffler might be another. Like we're sort of like I don't think their odds right now are matching up to what like how well they're playing. Now that's going to dissipate at some point, but. It, it, to me, it just, it's like these guys, I mean, Hovland's like the third best player in the world right now. I mean, he's been awesome for months and uh, he was again this week. That moves you into second, Kyle, for our season standings behind still Greg, who is our big season long winner. Greg, uh, I agree. We're seeing, you know, th this stretch of tournaments that we're getting into where these fields are going to be really deep. We're going to see a lot of long numbers on some of these great players who, uh, you know, not everybody can be eight to one to win this golf tournament. So it, it should be interesting over the course of the next couple of weeks. There'll be some opportunities for sure. Um, but man, this is a, this can be a tough, it, it's a little bit of a tough challenge. So I'm hanging on for dear life. Didn't have a great week this week. Uh, I was a little bit off in my assessment beforehand, but I think going to going back to some courses that we know API, we have some history, uh, the players, the Honda, we have history at all these places. I, I think it should help us get a better idea of what it's going to call for. Like Mark was saying, this this one at the concession was a second shot golf course. But I think next year, if they go back to the concession, I'm, I'm going to put a little more emphasis on driving to the ball, too. I thought it was much more important than I anticipated, which is just coming from, um, you know, the, the word on the street, as they say. So I, I think driving in Florida is extremely important, um, and especially at the next upcoming venues. Orlando is the worst city in the world to drive in. Oh, that's a terrible place. The drivers <laughs> down there are horrid. <laughs> Our first WGC in the books, Arnold Palmer Invitational next week. Final thoughts? Closing thoughts, anybody? I'm looking around. I'm getting a lot of head shakes. Hovland, wow. Hovland, Hovland wearing orange instead of red was kind of a power play. That was that was, that was was sick. I loved it. And then he just owned it and was like, yeah, orange is better. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, it was great. 
<laughs> That's Kyle Porter, who you can follow on Twitter at Kyle Porter CBS. Producer Jacob does all the hard work behind the glass. Thank you very much, producer Jacob. Greg Ducharme, thank you. You can find on Twitter at the real GFD. That's Mark Immelman, who you can find at Mark underscore Immelman. You can find me at Rick Rungood. This has been the first cut, and we'll catch you next time. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.